If you have kids or if you are a big kid, I am sure that you have been to an extreme air park. It's basically a giant warehouse full of trampolines. And usually at these air parks, they have these giant foam pits that you can jump and dive right into. And I remember as a little girl being so excited to go to the air park and jump on all the trampolines. And when I arrived, I saw all the older kids lined up across the room around this giant foam pit. And they were running and they were doing flips and doing cannonballs into it. And of course, as a little girl, I wanted to do what the older kids were doing. So I did. I jumped off into the foam pit. But the thing is with foam pits, that once you're in, it's kind of hard to get out. The more that you wiggle and struggle and try to get out often, the deeper and deeper in you sink until you're stuck. And I remember getting so stuck in the foam pit that I started crying and I wouldn't let anyone help me. And eventually the air park employee had to call my mom and she had to come in and she had to get me out. Very embarrassing. But sometimes when we're stuck, the best thing that we can do is actually ask for help. Sometimes when we're stuck, it's actually a little bit foolish to try and get unstuck on our own. And I have realized over the years from working in a church and just being around people that usually when people want to get together and talk, it's almost never good news. That usually if someone wants to come and talk, it's probably not because I did a really good job preaching at our young adult service or leading small groups. Usually it's not someone wanting to update me and how great and how good their life is going. It's usually bad news. It's usually someone that is in a crossroads in their life, someone who is in need of something that they think that I can help with, that I can give them some advice for. And often the person who wants to talk is stuck in the middle of an issue or stuck in an area of their life and they need some help to get unstuck. And today we are starting a brand new series called, you guessed it, Stuck. And this series has been designed to be an encouraging and helpful conversation between you and your pastor. Now picture yourself coming in to see one of our pastors here at Broadway and you have this issue that you're wrestling through, something that you really need to talk about. You feel stuck in an area of your life and you're gonna come in to ask that pastor for some advice. Over the next four weeks, one of our pastors is going to speak directly to your area of stuckness and do their best to help you get unstuck and back onto the right path for your future. And today we're gonna to be addressing people who feel stuck in their faith. Next week, we'll be talking about people who feel stuck with no purpose. Then we're gonna talk about isolation and loneliness, speaking directly to people who feel stuck and alone. And finally, we're gonna finish off the series and tackle the issues surrounding burnout and exhaustion and people who feel stuck in a rut. So for today, let's dive in specifically talking about how sometimes we can feel stuck in our faith. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John writes about a vision that he's had in a message to seven different churches. This is what he writes in Revelation 3. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And this idea of being lukewarm is a feeling that we are really familiar with. It's when you're not hot, it's when you're not cold, you're kind of just meh. 
And when it comes to our faith, this lukewarm, this meh feeling is something that so many of us have experienced. You see, before we became Christ followers, our lives were cold towards God. Then we met Jesus and the temperature really turned up in our life. Some people use the term on fire for the Lord. But over time, the passion has faded, the heat has turned down, and we have become lukewarm. We've kind of become meh. And for so many of us, we can feel stuck in our faith. We can feel stuck in this in-between meh feeling. And so I've been thinking, if you came in to see me and sat down on the mint green couch in my office, what would I say to you? So I've come up with five things that can point you in the right direction to help you get unstuck in your faith. The first thing that I would say is lighten your load. So many of us are trying to move forward in this life, but some of us, we're carrying heavy burdens. For some of us, the load that is weighing us down, that heavy burden has slowed us down or perhaps even made us stumble and fall. For some of us, the load that is weighing us down has grounded us to a complete stop and we are stuck. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Look, Life is hard and nobody is perfect. No one gets through this life unblemished. We will all fall down, but we can dust ourselves off and keep on moving forward. When it comes to stumbling and falling and getting stuck in our faith, oftentimes it actually has to do with sin. When I'm talking about sin, that actually means to miss the mark. It's falling short of God's standard. So when we sin, when we miss that mark, when our lives don't hit that bullseye, yes, we have made a mistake. And yes, we did miss the mark, but also we have a choice. We can focus on our mistake, stay in our sin, stay in that place and keep carrying that load, that sin, or we can choose to give it to God, to throw off what is hindering us, to turn away from that sin and move forward. Yes, sin can weigh us down, But when we cut sin out of our lives, when we lighten our load, yes, we will get knocked down, but we will get back up and we will learn from it and we will move on. One author puts it this way, either sin must be your enemy or God will. The apostle Paul, one of the earliest leaders of the church, wrote a letter to encourage the people of the church to stop lingering in their sin and to cut it out of their life for good. We read in Colossians 3, 5, So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you and have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So sin is not a burden that we need to carry. So lighten your load. Turning from your sin is actually the quickest way to begin to get unstuck in your faith. Okay, so what else can we do to get unstuck in our faith? The second thing I want to suggest to you is to do the basics well. In that same vision in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John writes to yet another church, this time in Ephesus. This is what he says. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. 
Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. There is something about getting back to where we started that will help us move forward in our faith. It's kind of like going back to our roots. John Wooden is a legendary basketball coach. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but his teams at the University of California have reached a level of success in university competitions that have never been matched. In his 12 years as head coach at UCLA, he won 10 national championships, including seven times in a row between 1967 and 1973. John Wooden knew basketball and he knew how to win. And on the very first day of practice, he would gather his new team together and have everybody shoot hoops? No, he would actually have everybody take off their socks and their shoes. And he would spend 30 minutes teaching and showing them how to put on their socks properly. First, you make sure you pull them all the way up so there's no bumps, there's no wrinkles. Then you make sure your heel is snug in that place and that there are no gaps or bumps at your toes. Because John believed that if you couldn't get the basics right, that it would ultimately affect your end game. That if you didn't have your socks on right, you would get blisters. And if you got blisters, you would miss practice. And if you miss practice, you would miss games. And if you miss games, you'd lose. Coach wouldn't spend time making sure they were doing the basics well to ensure their long-term success. And this is true of high-performance athletes, but it's also true of our faith. That if you feel stuck in your faith, Get back to where you started. Do the basics well. And what do I mean by doing the basics? I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about giving. I'm talking about serving here at Broadway or maybe people in your community. I'm talking about reading your Bible, witnessing to others. You know, the basics. And let me give you just one simple key when it comes to doing the basics well. If you're gonna do the basics well, consistency is key. Showing up, making space in your calendar is crucial. Be consistent in making it a priority to do the basics well, to turn back to the works you did at first. Okay, so you're feeling lukewarm in your faith and we're walking through some encouragement on how to get you unstuck. And so far we have talked about lightening your load and we've talked about doing the basics well. And maybe you are sitting there listening and you're feeling frustrated because you're like, Des, I have already done all these things. I have cut out the sin from my life. I am consistently practicing the basics, but I still feel stuck in my faith. And that leads me to my third point, which is work well you wait. Have you ever looked at your situation this way? Think maybe that just maybe, perhaps, God has you right where he wants you? That even in this uncomfortable, hard situation, maybe he's trying to teach you something. Maybe he's trying to prepare you, grow you. Maybe he wants to transform you. Have you ever asked yourself, what is God trying to teach me in this season? What am I learning in this season? Because this could be a season of preparation for you. This could be a building season for you, a learning season, a season of refinement. If you have lightened your load and you're doing the basics well and you still feel stuck, know this, that often your stuckness is God preparing you. And we see this all throughout the Bible with David and Abraham and Sarah and Hannah. In God's kingdom, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So work while you wait. Where has God placed you? What has he placed in your hands? 
As you're in this waiting season, get to work. Don't get hung up on that stuck feeling. Focus on God. Focus on what he's put before you and is calling you to. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So in this meh time that you're in, will you choose to dig in? Will you choose to trust God and work while you wait? The choice is yours. Okay, on to number four. I've come to realize over the years that many, many people are holding on to so much heartache and it's consuming them. It's overshadowing their thoughts, their decisions, and it's getting them stuck in their faith. And it's high time to let go. That's my fourth point. Let go of jealousy, of bitterness, of hurt, of anger and offense. You're trying to grow in your faith, but you feel stuck. Could it be that your heart and your mind and your hands are full of hurt? What would it look like for you to let it go? Ephesians 4 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Let it go and just see what God can do with your surrender. When I was younger, my parents got divorced when I was about one years old and my father left. And growing up, we never had a good relationship with each other. My dad, he drank a lot. He usually wasn't around. He wasn't very kind to me. And I grew up feeling really hurt towards my father. And my hurt started to turn into bitterness and my bitterness turned into anger and this anger into unforgiveness. It's built over into every area of my life. It impacted the way I lived my life, who I would be close to, even the way I saw and trusted God. And the older that I got, the deeper this bitterness, this hurt and this resentment and unforgiveness started to grow in my life. And I felt stuck in it. When you don't deal with your offense or your hurt in your life, it often turns into bitterness. And when we let bitterness run rampant and grow, over time it always turns into a hardened heart. And all that's left is the bitter, unmistakable stench of unforgiveness. You can think about it this way, that bitterness is the flower whose root is unforgiveness. And this is where you and I have to do the work because you actually can't wait for someone else to apologize. You can't wait for someone else to own up to their half of the problem because you might be waiting forever. You have to let it go. What my dad did to me was wrong, but I had a choice to make. I had to let it go. And what was done to you, that hurt, it was wrong, but you also have a choice to make. You have to let it go. Forgiveness is about you and your heart more than it is about them and their problem. You need to release yourself from this prison of hurt that you're in. And no matter what they said to you or done to you, you're actually the only person who holds the key to that prison cell. Let go and just see what God can do with your surrender. Isaiah 43 says, Do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It's happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there. There is hope on the other side of your hurt, so let go. Okay, so number one, lighten your load. Secondly, do the basics well. Work while you wait and let go. Now, this will sound a bit weird, but number five kind of seems to be contradicting number four. 
We just talked about how if you want to get unstuck in your faith, you need to let go. But number five, and my final point, is to hold on. So maybe you're like, Des, what do I do? Let go or hold on? Both, actually. Let go of the past. Put it down, the hurts, the hangups, the resentments, but hold on to hope. Remember who God is, what he has done, what his promises are, and hold on to hope. Hold on to God's truth and hold on to God's promises. The prophet Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, and he must have been quite the crier to get that title for all of history to remember him that way. But many scholars believe that Jeremiah is thought to have written the Book of Laments, which is known as Lamentations. And in this book, the author cries aloud in utter distress as he experiences pain and uncertainty and despair. Yet, he always holds on to hope. And if you're struggling in your faith right now, listen to these words. The author laments in Lamentations 3, 19 to 31. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all, oh how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember and remembering. I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out, and his merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God, I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. And this passage of scripture has been my bedrock in my life personally. When I feel stuck, it reminds me to hold on. It reminds me that the worst is never the worst. Because when God is on my side, I can get through any sticky situation. So if you came and sat on the mint green couch in my office and asked for some pastoral advice on how to get unstuck when it comes to your faith, I would tell you, Lighten your load, do the basics well, work while you wait, let go, and hold on. And this all brings me to the big idea for today, which is getting stuck in your faith won't destroy you, but remaining there will. You can get unstuck. You not only have the tools and the knowledge, but you also have the Spirit of God who is working in you and through you to help you get back on the right track. Getting stuck in your faith won't destroy you, but remaining there will. Listen, for some of you who are stuck right now, maybe it feels like things are never going to change. Maybe it feels like you have been in this place for so long that you don't even know what to do. But can I encourage you today that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that God is faithful, that he is going to bring you through this, that you are not forgotten, that he sees you and he sees every single 
detail of your life and he wants to get you unstuck out of this season. You just need to invite him in because getting stuck in your faith won't destroy you, but remaining there will. Let's pray. If you're watching today and you have been feeling stuck in your faith, maybe you felt stuck in your unforgiveness, you wanna move on, but you're having a hard time letting go. Maybe you feel stuck in your sin, or maybe you feel like you've been waiting on God for so long and nothing is happening and you feel discouraged. Or maybe you're listening today and you feel stuck, but you've never really taken that step to invite God into your heart and into your life. Whatever you're walking through today, I want to give you an opportunity to invite God into your heart and into your situation. And if that's you, I want to pray with you today so you can just agree with me as I pray. So God, I thank you that you sent your son to die for me because you love me. And because of that, I don't have to stay stuck in sin, in unforgiveness, in hurt. God, I want to invite you into every single area of my life and into my heart. And I acknowledge that you are the only one who can get me unstuck. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, or if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I would love to encourage you to text the number on the screen. A pastor will answer any questions that you have and help point you in the right direction. Thanks for joining us today.